The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Mr. Ndogozo Tusi, sir, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good evening, uh, Songezo. Good evening to your listeners as well. Thank you for having me. Talk to us about the work of the Solomon Matlangu Freedom College Trust. Okay. Um, the Somafco Trust was basically registered uh, in 2000 and it was launched in uh, 2007. The, the aim of the Somafco Trust essentially in its inception was to was to basically not lose the memory of uh, Solomon Mahlang, firstly, but also the memory of uh, the school itself. Solomon Mahlang Freedom College was a school established in in uh, in Tanzania by the ANC then uh, in the late uh, is uh, around seventy nine uh, to cater for all the young people who who the uh, you know post your nineteen seventy six. A uprising. There was a, a surge of young people who wanted to take uh, take up arms and join the struggle. So, uh, yeah, and Dogozo, let me interrupt you there. I beg your pardon. We have missed you a couple of times. I don't want to risk missing you again yeah. because what you have to say is rather important. Cut him, please, Phineas. Um, we're going to get back on the line with Mr. Ndogozo too. See, let me just quickly read what we have so far just to summarize parts of what he has said and hopefully what he will yet touch on on the assumption that we get back to him on a straighter line, as it were. Mr. Ndogozo Tusi is a former Solomon Matlangu Freedom College student who joined the Somafco Trust in 2010. He healed the relationship between the Somafco Trust and its then anchor partner, the Independent Development Trust, IDT. He is now the acting head of the Somafco Trust and is currently steering the organization. The Trust is a non-partisan South African youth development organization which draws its inspiration from the history of Somafco, the college, which was established by the ANC on land donated to it by the Tanzanian government in 1977. Somafco, the college, was established with the support of the International Solidarity Movement during the apartheid years. The financial and other forms of contributions notably influenced the activities and the success of the overall project in an area called Mazimbu in Tanzania. In the light of Freedom Month, April, and today being 42 years to the day since he was hung in the gallows of Pretoria under the apartheid regime, we do engage Mr. Ndogozo Tusi on all things freedom-related and the importance of keeping the youth conscious on the struggles South Africa went through in order for us to enjoy the freedom of today. In many respects, we are due to enjoy this freedom as it is ours. Of course, young people have been told by the not young people that, especially in the journalistic space, they are engaging and asking questions of and about a freedom for which they did not fight. I'm sure some of you might remember an exchange between a journalist, Samgele Masego, and Jesse Duarte, and how those conversations eat into the integrity of the conversations we are actually engaging now about the preservation of history and why freedom fighters were doing what they were doing. Yes, for themselves, of course, but also for generations after them. And therefore why it is most obscene for young people who, when they engage their freedoms, the way certainly Samgela that day was doing so, it is most offensive to be asked as, or rather to be down, downsized as he was, 
about why is he asking questions about a freedom for which he did not fight, as if it is not an inherent right by virtue of his being a human being. Dogozo is back on the line. You were continuing and you were talking to us about the fact that um, Somafco was established by the ANC on land donated by the Tanzanian government in 77. You want to take it from there and the work of the trust itself? Yes, no, sorry we got cut. But no worries, I was, yeah, yeah, so I was saying, I was explaining that uh, the, the school was established to cater for uh, the surge of young people who, who found themselves in a foreign country, but, uh, you know, obviously wanting to, to join and fight, uh, you know, uh, the struggle uh, in South Africa. So the school was established uh, so that, you know, the, the, the fight could be uh, on, on all ends, uh, you know, those that want to, uh, you know, fight from the the the, the, the barrel of the gun, uh, you know, would receive training and, and all of that as, as MK soldiers and all of that. But there are those that would have needed to, to fight uh, for the struggle, uh, you know, uh, through the books, through knowledge, uh, through education. So the school was established because of that. So the school in 1979 was then named after Solomon Mahlamo, who himself, as you would know, uh, uh, fought for education. He he had a, a strong desire for education, uh, which he was denied. Of course, as you all know, uh, his struggle was for uh, education to to be taught in the in, in languages that are, are most desired by uh, you know black South Africans. Uh, uh, and so it, the school was named the Solomon Mahlang Freedom College. So Somafco Trust uh, was was uh, was established to to promote. Uh, the legacy of that school, as well as uh, Solomon Mahlangu, in a in a in a way that could appeal to young people uh, in the modern era post uh, uh, post apartheid. Of course, post apartheid, the work does continue, and in fact, the work continues, albeit in a very different format. Let's speak now the trust specifically its work in first of all immortalizing the name of the person after whom it was named. Kalushi Matlangu is my preference. Of course, Solomon Matlangu is the official name that goes about. Kalushi Matlangu, the importance of his story being known and specifically the work of the trust to address the challenges of and for young people this day. Yes. You know, Songevo, to to be honest with you, we, we, we try by all means not to make Solomon Mashangu the key focal uh, point mm. uh, in, in our, you know, sharing the story of the liberation movements and the, the, the story of the struggle for freedom. Because uh, in doing so, you discount then the stories of many other people who did not, who do not enjoy the attention, who who may not have uh, had uh, the, the same big, a big name like Solomon Mashangu. But we, we look at some of the trust. We think that it's important uh, for a, a, a name, the, the names of people like Solomon Mahlangu, to continue being relevant with young people. And one of the things that we we we, we do is that we we run a program, uh, an annual program, which is a tour to Tanzania. So we select uh, young people through uh, various competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, who then uh, go on a tour to Tanzania, a week-long tour, and they get to see uh, how young people who may have been at the same ages as they are now lived in Tanzania, what they had to go through, what are the, some of the programs that they had to 
uh, undertake. Also in remembering Solomon Masango, but also uh, in remembering other struggling heroes, uh, you know. So, um, yeah. For young people specifically, knowing Solomon Masango is important. Yes. But for young people, especially this day and age, knowing Ntumba is important. Knowing many young people who are fighting for struggles of the 21st century in the time where it might even be said the establishment is detached from such challenges young people face. How do we then merge history to the work of today in the light of the challenges of today? Generally speaking, not so much the trust itself, but what yeah. organizations of like to yourselves should be doing so as to bridge these gaps between resource distribution and the need in society? Yeah, look, I, I think uh, we, we need to be inspired by the bravery of those young men and women uh, who, who left everything, left, uh, uh, you know, uh, their homes uh, at a young age who who sacrificed uh, many things uh, you know during the you know the, the, their young ages so we we need to use that uh, to be inspired to 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 face uh, the, the challenges that we're facing to you know to 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 challenge the 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 the, the, uh, the status quo uh, right now both uh, uh, you know in in education uh, in business, in all spheres of society, we need to be inspired by that bravery. So I think it's it's important for us to to to, to look back. Uh, but it's also that's why I chose the song Siaya uh, Pambil mm-hmm. because we we need to to move forward. And it's a, the the song resonates. Uh, so while we look back, but we 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 do need to uh, uh, move forward. Let's have a conversation then with Mr. Ndogozo Tusi, acting head of the Solomon Rotlango Freedom College, Somafco Trust. Hashtag Tuesday takeover in a little while from now, just over five minutes. He will engage guests of his own, and I'm not going to give it away who he will be speaking to, talking about, among other things, the significance of Freedom Month, the work of the Trust, and of course, apartheid reparations and related redress. We are taking calls on Johannesburg 714-2006. What of so far we've spoken about resonates with you and how might you especially wish to disagree with us because it's nice for us to agree, but it's probably more progressive when we disagree because it forces us to engage an alternative perspective to that which we know to be true until and unless challenged. Ndogozo Tusi, as we wait for some of the callers to come through, I've just read an, a message which is quite... quite um, Flattering, so so to speak, and I beg the ladies' indulgence, please, because I might get the pronunciation of the name wrong, but it says, Good evening, SAFM team. Interesting topics, as always. As I'm an African, I thought this was the kind of topic we need. This is from De Beers in Khobabis in Namibia. So it is It is great that we have a reach beyond the continent, I mean, beyond the borders of the country. Yes. And probably through the work of the trust, the name Solomon Mashlangu, and together with many of his contemporaries. I mean, we're talking about 1979. I mean, two years before that, in 77, as it were, yes. there's Bantubiko who was killed by the state yes. security forces a couple of years after that, 1980, 81, and Ruzondo, who, yes. in fact, between arrest and death sentence, for bombing a mall in KZN, Namazim if I recall my history correctly, yes. between arrest and death, 11 swift 
months. That is how brazen, brutal the apartheid regime was in taking care on a permanent solution basis of those who were not prepared to toe the line. So when we engage this history, what Mm. is the one thing you would want young people to take away that would dictate for them how they engage themselves in the continued fight and defense of our freedom? Look, so I think it's important that uh, young people don't forget how expensive uh, the freedom and if and this is if you do believe that uh, we have the freedom so we, we must never forget how expensive uh, attaining this freedom was uh, i think there are people who who, who may not appreciate uh, how much sacrifice how many lives were lost uh, you know how many uh, lives were disturbed how many people were you know uh, uh, dislodged from their normal lives how many people were moved mm. Uh, and all of it. So it's, it's important for us to at least acknowledge uh, how expensive, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the whole uh, apartheid system was to the black nation. Uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you talk about, uh, you know, people till this day who do not know where their loved ones are. Mm. They don't know whether that person is dead. And if that that person is dead, where they are buried, mm-hmm. uh, and if that person is alive, where are they in, in on this earth? You also, you know, uh, you, you have people who who are dealing with mental issues right now because of what they've gone through, and so they they are not able to 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 be part of a society mm-hmm. uh, in normal uh, circumstances. Mm. Uh, you also find people who are abused. Women, uh, you know, were, 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 were some of the, the people who who bore the brunt uh, the most, uh, you know, uh, during those years because they had to take care of homes, they had to hide their husbands, brothers, and all of that, uh, while, uh, you know, making sure that at least there's a semblance of a family, you know. So there, there are all of those things. And I, so I, I implore that uh, young people must never, uh, forget, you know, we, how much it took for us to be here where we are. We are, no, we are nowhere near where we, we envisaged or we wanted to be, uh, but it's important that we acknowledge at least that, you know, it did not come uh, uh, as uh, easy. Fair point. Couldn't agree more. I've got a message that I wish to read only after this voice note. Good evening, gentlemen and the listeners. Uh, the whole day, there's a song that has been going through my head. Yo, Solomoni, Solima Sangu, Yo, Solomoni, Begali so Jalom Kondo, Sizwe, Elabula, Wamabune, Africa. Now, you think about the current events when Solomon Mashangu's comrades have turned their backs against us. This includes this new dawn brigade that came in and looted 500 billion. I can bet with my head on the plate that Solomon Mashangu is turning in his grave when miners were shot down in Marikana by a democratic police. I can bet with my head on the plate that Solomon Mashangu is turning on his grave when he sees our people suffering. It's Honorable Monarang in Kailija. 
Good evening, Songezo, and good evening, Dogozo. Thank you for making time for us, the South Africans, particularly the young. Uh, I would like to find out from Dogozo, do we have the leadership, the current leadership, that is there to embrace and ensure that the the leakage that was left by uh, the the structural lords that have passed away can live on? Or are we having the leaders that are there to erode history and the leakages that were left behind? Thank you very much. This is Anonymous and Lady Smith. Thank you so much, Anonymous and Lady Smith. Honorable Monareng in Cape Town, I do have a message that has come through on my own personal phone, a dear friend who is, for the first time, in a long time anyway, engaging with us, saying, Good evening, Songhezo. Thank you so much for a wonderful show. I've always had a soft spot for the stories of young men who would have sacrificed so much at a time where it would have been incredibly difficult to do so. My name is Ziko Nakali. I am from Kukobokobo. I have nothing more to say other than the fact that I really wanted to send a shout-out. Would you imagine? I wanted to send a shout-out to my mother. She's sitting with me here at home, and I just wanted to see her smile. Okay, don't be a quick tandy, Natis Yaktanda Sabula Kakulu Moguti Usich Ele Gelelo Sasazo. SAFM 2034, we do have a caller, Mike in Newlands. Good evening. Hi, good evening, Sungesa, and good evening to your guest. I must say, I don't make this call easily because I do not take anything away from Solomon Clezo. I think, if longer, I think that the guy's unbelievably brave, and what he did was just incredibly. Uh, it just gave us the hope that the country needed and he is without doubt a hero. But the fact of the matter is, we as South Africans are all absolute hypocrites. And your one uh, person who phoned in on a voice note made the point that he would be turning in his grave. And I agree with him. I think Marikana, Esadameni, the Colin Koza, uh, there's so many other tragic events mm, that have taken mm. place under the ANC in our new South Africa. I don't think he died for that. I think if he was alive today, he would be absolutely appalled at the hypocrisy that goes on in our government. And the ANC that we have today is absolutely a disgrace. And it's a disgrace to people like him who so bravely died to be for, for his people to be free. No, I'm absolutely shocked. And I just really... I'm appalled at the way we as South Africans have carried on and disrespected people as great as this man. Shocking. Thank you very much, Sengizel. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. And and I don't know how Mike was able to get this number. Maybe he's been tuned in the whole day. The number, I beg your pardon, everybody, is Johannesburg, 482-1863. Why these numbers keep changing like they do, it really does baffle me. And I beg your pardon for that. I even struggle to keep up, and I'm here. Johannesburg, 482 1863. That's the line to call if you want to access studio so that your voice can be online. I beg your pardon for those who might have tried to come through. We will make special dispensation and indulgence if you do. Do give us a call. Johannesburg, 482-1863. How do you respond, Ndogozo, to these two voice notes and that caller? Okay, you you may have to remind me of the one that specifically asked a, a question. But uh, I think that the, so the, the first voice note spoke about uh, uh, leadership and, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, s- some of the leaders who are no longer with us uh, may be turning at, in their graves uh, at the sight of what is happening uh, right now. Uh, I, I, while I agree with, uh, with, with that sentiment, I think it's also important to, to reflect honestly because I, I may add... Uh, by saying that you know the, our heroes may be turning in their graves 
at how we dealt with the transition from you know uh, from before we, we before 1994 the first uh, uh, elections uh, to to some of the interventions uh, we, we we we've had in the country uh, some of the interventions if, if you look at uh, education if i may just ask you in the 24 years of uh, the existence of our government only two universities have been built uh, that uh, on its own can be something that I, I, I would say uh, our heroes are attending in their graves, uh, the state of our healthcare and all of that. But also, I think the transition of how we dealt with uh, uh, how the, the past atrocities, uh, you know, apartheid were dealt with. People are still uh, living with scars that they can't uh, get rid of, you know. So. I, those are some of the things that I think we, we should also reflect on. Uh, while it's, it's good and well to, to focus on our current challenges, uh, I think it's also to it's, it's it's also good to reflect uh, on those of the past. Of course, uh, I, I agree with uh, uh, what Mike from Newlands uh, said. Uh, you know, uh, some of these things that are just so clearing that uh, you, it's, it's impossible to ignore them, and we should not ignore them. But in us knowing what we know, everybody knows what we know, there seems to be this level of complacency. Sure, you'll get a newspaper article, you'll get the news, you mean you will even get the protests. But one doesn't get the impression anywhere. This is my final question to you as we round up until twenty past uh, twenty two rather. One doesn't get the impression there is a sufficient degree of disgruntlement enlarge in the country that will then make a decisive call here and no further. I don't know what that event would have to be for South Africans to get to the point. One would have thought a Marikana would have been the camel. I mean, it would have been the straw that broke the camel's back or something like a life essay demanding. 140 very vulnerable persons who would have needed at any other time the state to come through for them then. And we no. have simply, as a society, moved on. And yet a 19-year-old was able to say, my blood will nourish the tree that will bear the fruits of freedom. Tell my people that I love them that they must continue with the fight. A 19-year-old. Yeah. You know, Songhezo, I think the... Uh, and, and this uh, is, my, is my personal view. I think the biggest challenge that we have uh, in, in our country, as it pertains to leadership, is that we... The, the face of leadership in this country, and you can look at government, business, education, religion, all spheres, all important spheres of government, all of those uh, uh, platforms are led by old people who have no appreciation for what uh, young people who are between the ages of 16 uh, and let's say 35, uh, if we are true to the definition. Mm. You know, so we're, we're led effectively. So the biggest population group in this country is led by people who are in their sunset years. Uh, and, I, and, and I mean mm, that uh, mm, in the, in the, in the uh, you know... In, in it, the is it, is. Yeah, it is what it is, yeah, it is what it is. And so, and I think that is the biggest problem. Now, it's inevitable, uh, Songhezo, that eventually young people will be pushed uh, to such high levels of frustration that the, the next possible thing to happen is an uprising that we can't, no, no one can, uh, can, can, can uh, control. Uh, because right now you have young people 
exciting just for me a, 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 a wiping off of a student debt and registration fees and all of that right and you see how all of that uh, that, that uh, uh, is met with it's met with the uh, gunshots people are dying in 2021 uh, and so you these are people you, you have people who make decisions for for youth but they are nowhere no way. You you don't see them where you where where young people exist. You only see them uh, during election time. And this is not only to government. I mean, it's, it's to all leaders uh, uh, in society. Uh, and so that is the biggest problem uh, that you know you you, you you are basically led by old people. The ideas are stale. The ideas do not resonate with uh, with young people. The, the, uh, young people. Uh, only uh, 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 deal with government when it has to distribute some form of a grant or the, the, the some parcel that is being handed out. They're not interested in any of uh, uh, government's programs. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that is the biggest challenge. So we, we need the injection of, uh, of, of, of young minds. I mean, you look at, uh, there are many examples around the world of uh, like in Rwanda, there's a minister who is, I think, 24 years old. Uh, the, the, one of the Scandinavian countries, their prime minister there is uh, below the age of, of 40. Uh, we, we need examples, and that that's going to inspire uh, a, a lot of young people. You know, uh, young people can't share ideas with government because that platform is not there. You know, in, government in business are attended by old people. Uh, uh, you know, so the, the voice of young people, uh, uh, you know, it, whether we like it or not, it, it needs to find its place in society. Sure. And it's inevitable it will happen. Well, the question is when, and I suppose some of the callers who are on the line will ask that question. What I propose to do, because we really are running short of time, and I don't want to take away from what is your hour of reckoning as a radio talk show host, we're going to take the advert now. All of the callers who are on now, Tom, Vuiswa, as well as Anonymous, they will engage you on air after the break and you will have to respond to them or get your guest to respond to them after this 2043. My name is Nitogozo Tusi. I will I will be your host uh, for tonight. Uh, as you know, Songezo uh, uh, has given me, has borrowed me his platform for about uh, uh, 20 minutes or so. So for the next few minutes, uh, I will be your host. Uh, so as I've introduced myself earlier on, my name is Ntogozo Tusi. I am a trustee at Somafco Trust. Uh, I'm also a, a, a young businessman. Um, yeah, I I have a, a guest with me today for today's show. Uh, his name is Dr. Divier, Joso Divier. I will introduce him later on. Uh, but the topic that I I, I thought we we should uh, you know would be relevant, flowing from the conversation I've just had with Songezo is the topic on uh, uh, apartheid reparations as well as redress. So the relevance of that uh, topic uh, in terms of apartheid 
you know, I'm going to ask Dr. Devier a couple of questions. You are most welcome to, to join in uh, by phoning us uh, on the open line. The number is 011-714-2006. And then the WhatsApp voice note must be sent to 61 410407. Um, so you're most welcome to, to get in, uh, in touch uh, with us uh, on those numbers. Oh, I've just been given the number to call uh, on air. It's 011-482-1863. So like I said, I'd like us to touch on um, uh, the, the, the very important topic. My feeling is that uh, there hasn't been a, a very honest and frank discussion about the way South Africa dealt with uh, post-apartheid uh, redress and reparations and all of those things uh, that other countries uh, have, have managed uh, to do. So my guest on the line today uh, is Dr. Divier. Uh, Dr. Divier uh, is, a, is a former uh, employee in government uh, Dr. Devier has worked in the Free State, uh, but quite relevant uh, for today's topic is that Dr. Devier used to be the uh, Chief Operations Officer in the Department of Justice. Uh, now, the Department of Justice is the one that was responsible for for implementing the post-TRC, uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission recommendations. Uh, and I must declare up front that... Uh, uh, Dr. Devier and I uh, worked together on one of the programs, which was called uh, Community Rehabilitation. Uh, Dr. Devier, are you on the line? Good evening, uh, Mr. Tusi, uh, and good evening to your listeners. And thanks very much for the opportunity to be on your show this evening. Thank you very much. As, as you know, uh, the show is not, is not mine. It's borrowed for, <laughs> for the next few minutes. Oh, thank uh, you. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. well, I would like to thank SAFM for the opportunity. No, sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. Dr. Devier. Uh, like I've introduced to our listeners, Dr. Devier, um, I'd like us to, to uh, for you and I, it's a conversation that we've had uh, many times in the past, but I think it's, 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 it's we've we are now enjoying an important platform for us to expand and hear from others what they what they think. Do you think, uh, Dr. Devier, that uh, uh, you know it, it is still opportune for South Africa to pursue a meaningful post-apartheid reparations uh, that can uh, impact all those people who were direct uh, victims of uh, these, uh, you know, a gross uh, injustices, uh, human rights injustices. Well, once again, thank you very much for the for the opportunity to address a, an extremely contentious uh, matter. Well, you would know that the issue of reparations arises out of the work that was conducted by the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission. <coughs> Uh, during our transition from apartheid to our non-racial democracy. 
You would also remember that uh, the TRC operated between the years 1995. You will remember that the original mandate of the TRC uh, actually expired in 1998, but it was extended, and it actually ended in 2002. So the TRC did its work for over a period of seven years. And it focused on investigating human rights violations between 1960 mm. and 1994. We would also know that there were there were there were several outcomes from the work of the TRC. First of yes. all, let me just preface my remark by saying you would recall that particularly at the point where the TRC handed over its report. Uh, both President Beke and Archbishop Tutu at the time indicated to all of us that that the work that the TRC had done was a beginning of a journey. It was not a point at which all our be, our issues related to nation building and reconciliation will be solved, but it was signaling signposts that we should be conscious of, that we should take heed of, so that all of us should, in our various ways, make a contribution towards developing a common nationhood. And as you know, I've recently published my book, and my book is deliberately called The Struggle for Nation Building and Reconciliation. And it's deliberately called The Struggle for Nation Building and Reconciliation because nation building and reconciliation are things that we are currently struggling for. We have struggled for them since 1995, and we continue to struggle for them. When it yeah. comes to the work, when it comes to the work that you and I covered, you'll remember that uh, if you, I mean, a lot of people like to ask me now that I've written a book, they are saying, "Do I think the TRC was successful?" Uh, well, I think there was a degree of success in a sense that it opened up dialogue and yes. educated the nation about the human rights violations that took place during the days of apartheid. And from that point of view, none of us can really say we did not know, especially the white community. We cannot say that yeah. we did not know. No, so I, I, I would like us to, uh, to touch uh, or maybe expand uh, a little bit, uh, Dr. Devier, because uh, while I appreciate that the you know, the TRC did do some work, and I'm sure many people do. There are many uh, uh, within society, many people who, who, who believe that, you know, uh, there are many people who are left behind in terms of being covered by these reparations. As you know, during the time when the TRC uh, commission was on, there was a campaign uh, 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 that discouraged people from going to the TRC. Uh, and then only after, you know, uh, reparations were being paid to individual victims did then people come forward to say, I was also a victim, this is what happened, and all of that. Uh, you know, uh, some people will, will also say that, uh, you know, the issue of reparations is something that uh, it's, a, it's a lifelong, uh, uh, you know, program or project. Uh, Usong has earlier on made an example of the Jewish community, who still till till, till today, uh, you know, demand reparations, uh, or rather, they make it a point that uh, 
uh, you know, the issue of their suffering at the hands of the of uh, of uh, of the Nazis in Germany uh, remains a relevant issue, and that the whole world continues to know about that. Uh, the recent one is the the story of the the indigenous people of uh, of uh, of Namibia who uh, uh, are claiming reparations from their colonizers, Germany. We, we, we also know what happened in, uh, in Rwanda and how they handled the issue of reparations. So, and my sense is that, Dr. Devier, and you are welcome to comment on this, is that uh, I, I feel like in South Africa we have, the space has shrunk for us to speak about uh, reparations because, of course, we're focused on many problems uh, that we're facing right now. Uh, and so, you know, the reparations or, or, or you know, redress uh, for the victims of apartheid has, has literally fallen uh, uh, to, to the wayside. Uh, what's your comment on that, uh, Dr. Devier? Well, Mr. Tuzi, I, I agree with you undoubtedly that uh, the TRC had its limitations. One of the primary limitations that you and I had to deal with was that the Commission received over 22,000 statements from victims. Uh, And out of those 22,000 statements, only 21,000 people were declared eligible for reparations. And out of the 21,000 people who were declared eligible for reparations, I think at the time only 16,000 people applied. Now, we are now almost 60 million as a nation. Probably at that time we were almost 50 million, 52, 53 million people. Now, declaring 60,000 people as victims out of 22,000 statements that were that were made by people uh, at least before the 15th of December 1997 is an obvious limitation. Uh, it's a it's a serious serious limitation. Okay. Uh, and in fact, by the way, there were recommendations by the TRC itself that they recommended that the closed list policy that was adopted by by the by by the TRC itself needs to be reviewed by government. Yes. And you know that uh, we had running battles with uh, NGOs like Kulumani who really advocated for the opening up of the process and reconsideration of the closed list policy. But at the time, we were limited by the resources at the disposal of government. Uh, and as a result, we couldn't open it as wide as we would have liked because there were serious, yeah. serious resource limitations. But okay. you, are, you are raising a very important point about the reviewing reparations because we are now almost 27 years into democracy. If you if you recall the work that that we did, even now the only areas that were successful was the payment of agent reparations. Yes. I would also like to just express my appreciation to the Department of Justice because there's a recommendation of, of medical benefits and other forms of social assistance that is going very well. But you also know that there was there was no implementation of community rehabilitation and all that you and I did, we went through all communities that were identified. I think yeah. about hundred and twenty six communities that were identified 
I think we targeted about 18 communities. I don't think we didn't cover the whole spectrum. Yeah, Doctor TV, I'm I'm so sorry to cut you. Um, uh, the lines, it seems like the lines are, are buzzing. Um, my name is Ntogozo Tusi. Uh, I am your guest host uh, for tonight, and uh, our topic is about uh, uh, TRC uh, uh, post-apartheid reparations and redress. Uh, I've taken over, obviously, from Songezo, who is in the kitchen uh, making tea for the Sikho. Uh, the lines are open. We have Tom from Pretoria as our first caller. Tom, you're welcome. Hello, Tom. Good evening, uh, Mr. Tusi. Can you hear? Yes, I can hear you. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, well, uh, I had in, uh, intended to participate in the previous uh, uh, topic, but nonetheless, now that we are dealing with this one, uh, I think it is a very crucial issue. The only question that we have is who is supposed to be uh, to receive reparations and how it is going to be done. And I think the moment we start saying money should be involved, I think that's the biggest problem that we can ever uh, invite for ourselves. So I think the issues that you have mentioned, like education, other social issues that we can focus on would be the uh, right uh, place to start. Uh, earlier when we were discussing, you we were talking about families who have been affected. Yes. Like the, it's not only the, the activists per se, but the families, the kids, the trauma that they went through and everything. It's okay, so massive. Th- thank yeah. you, Tom. Thank you. Uh, uh, let me take Zolega before we go to news. Uh, let me take Vuiso rather in, in Parktown. Uh, uh, Parktown. Vuiso, are you on, on the line? Yes, I am. Thanks. And sorry, may I intervene? May I intervene? Sorry, sorry, Mamvui. So we won't have enough time for this particular call. Oh, what oh. I propose to do is to just stay the calls coming through now. We, we'll probably just go to the news break now. And the first caller immediately after the news will be Vuiso and then Anonymous. And then we can have a wrap up of the conversation between the good doctor and the guest guest lecturer. The guest and the um, the guest, as it were. I beg your pardon for this slight misunderstanding. Let us indeed go to news. on the viewpoint. Good evening. Uh, once again, we're back from, from the news. Uh, the news was brought to you, read to you by uh, Zoleka Otashe. Uh, my name is Ndogozo Tusi. Acting head of the trust, I'm also a trustee at Somafco Trust. Uh, like I said, I've been invited to take over Songezo's show. So you are being hosted by me for these next few minutes. Uh, I will go back to the line. We will start with uh, Vuiswa in Parktown. Vuiswa, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Thanks, thanks, uh, Asante. Abari Zakwako, Dada. Yeah, I'm Zuli Sana. Okay. Yes, thanks to Songezo and Lisiko for taking my calls and to the other guests there, but also hi. Um, it has been a sad day today, actually, to reflect on what happened on that day, also going through the gallows uh, on what he, they encountered before their souls departed 
that's such a painful, you know, painful, painful moment to learn of how it, it all happened. And um, was, um, my problem is that I, I think uh, South Africa, the leadership that we have, most of them, they don't know what is it to be like to be in the trenches. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a student of Somapco. I'm a child who grew up in Somapco, and, and I, I, I know what we went through. I think you, you also know what we went through. And as for reparations, I think I have decided to say to myself, because I came late from the USA, and uh, I never went to the TRC, but I lost 16 members of my family, including their parents. I submitted, though, while at least I was still in the States. But for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to give up. And uh, my okay. other questions besides reparations is what happen, is happening in the Department of Military Veterans. You know, we are a generation that uh, thought that our children won't go through this thing that we go into and be told stories and lies at the Department of Military Veterans. We're still waiting for the benefits, including medical aid. Some comrades are dying. You know, I know commanders who are dying. I know people are dying, leaving their children with nothing. So to me, it's such a disappointment, a disappointment yeah. when Britain is now acknowledging the Africans who who contributed in the World War Two. You know, even yeah. first World War, no, they were African. You. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for your call. Uh, we uh, will go to anonymous in KZN. Good evening to you, Mr. Tokozo, Tusi, and your guest, uh, Dr. Divier. I just want to bring something to your notice. That uh, to inco- I don't want to reiterate all that you said. You're 100% correct in what you indulged in. Uh, in, in. I want to inco- uh, This is my version. I want to inculcate. Uh, in, uh, uh, they should inculcate inculcate history into the school's curriculum, so our young generation will be familiar with the you know with the history of the past. And also, our, even our young, uh, certain young tutors in school are not familiar, and also our members of parliament who have oversighted, uh, either they oversighted or either got the don't care a damn attitude of the uh, history of the past. And I think we, they all should go back to their history. Thank you so much. I also need to go back to my history as well. Thank you okay. so much. much Thank you for the call, Anonymous. Uh, we'll go to Aisha in Uppington as our last caller. Then after Aisha, we'll go to voice notes. Aisha in Uppington. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Aisha. Uh, what, you, what you're touching this evening is, is an emotive topic. Yes. It is. It is more than necessary. It is a fundamental need in our nation to deal with this issue, and and furthermore, it must not be one or two or three people, and there is no limitation. Reparations must be paid to the entire South African nation who have been traumatized, and all of us suffered. Yes. So, so this this is not even a matter to be thought about. This must be done. Yes. No. Thank okay. you, Aisha. Thank you for your for your comment, Aisha in Uppington. Uh, we'll now move on to the voice notes uh, before yeah. we get uh, a bit of uh, comments and response from Dr. Devier. Then we'll summarize and uh, close the show. Good evening, gentlemen. As far as compensation is concerned for brutalities of apartheid, if I can put it like that, 
I think we will be shooting ourselves in the feet here because we all know that our government is too corrupt. What they will do, the same ANC comrades are the ones that are going to forward uh, their applications and say we want to be, to be uh, compensated. And two, if really uh, the, 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 the government of the day, in fact, the ANC government and the TRC as a whole had compensation in mind, why did the African National Congress not negotiate that during the Cortesa? And as well, why did then President Mandela allow the TRC and the commissioners to act as deputy Jesuses, forgive and forget the, uh, the water is under the bridge, blah, 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 while today our people are still suffering in farms? It's Honorable Munarang in Kailich. Hi, hi, good evening, Songhez. You see, TRC uh, did not complete their, 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 their work, their function, yes. Because, as, as we hear from your case, there, there are still many people who have to be re reparated. So, on the part of TRC, it's, it's a big fiasco. Thank you. It's really in Christian. Okay, um, uh, Dr. Devier, you've heard all of those, uh, the, the phone calls uh, uh, from Vui, Swatu, Anonymous, and Aisha and Uppington, but basically, uh, uh, you know, Aisha and Uppington saying that uh, the, the topic we're, we're discussing today is very emotive and that she feels that uh, the TRC should basically be open to everyone, so reparations should cover everyone because the, she feels that uh, you know all of us as the population of, of South Africa suffered, or well, at least as it relates to those that suffered uh, apartheid. Uh, uh, and then you know the uh, Munareng uh, talks about you know why Mandela uh, let the TRC be conducted the way it did. Some people uh, behaving like deputy Jesuses. Uh, to the extent that they allowed the perpetrators to be forgiven and and that's forgotten uh, that was the uh, monitoring uh, and then the, the the other caller then spoke about the very same people who are in government right now uh, who he believes are corrupt uh, would be the ones who would be over uh, overseeing the project of reparations and so that project itself would be corrupt uh, perhaps maybe your closing remarks, uh, Dr. Tivier, before uh, we, we, we close the show. Dr. Tivier, are you still on the line? Yes, I'm on the line. Can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think we need more time to discuss this issue. Because, yes, it's emotive and it's quite complex. But secondly, let me say, there are issues relating to the efficiency of the state that needs to be addressed. First of all, the issues that Vuiswa raised regarding how the Department of Military Veterans treats victims is an important issue. It's really it's, it's concerning that uh, veterans of our liberation struggle are dying without medical aid. Uh, it's, a, it's an issue that we should very, be very worried about. But related to the issues of the efficiency of the state, you remember there's an issue of prosecutions. Prosecutions never happened. But two, you know that we have not completed the job on community rehabilitation. 
And thirdly, you know the missing persons task team in the National Prosecuting Authority in 27, in, in 24, 25 years, there were 477 people that it must find. I don't think it has, it has hardly made 50% of that. Uh, so there are those issues. But lastly, until we seriously address the issues of economic justice, that relates to issues of unemployment, that re- relates to issues of poverty, that, re- relate, uh, 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 that relates to issues of social inequality, until those issues are comprehensively and adequately addressed, this topic will remain alive. But I would like to thank you and all the callers for, give us, for giving us an opportunity to reflect on this very important matter. Yeah, no, th- thank you so much, Dr. Devier, for, for being my guest on my, on my uh, inaugural radio show. I hope uh, uh, SAFM will, uh, will have me again. Uh, indeed, uh, a very emotive topic, and mm-hmm. I chose this topic uh, uh, so, because I felt that uh, it is a, a very important topic, especially for young people who were not there during the apartheid days, but their parents were. Uh, but indeed a very emotive topic. Uh, thank you to all the callers, uh, all of the people who sent the, the, the voice notes, and thank you to Songezo for having me on his platform, uh, and thank you to everyone uh, in the background. Thank you so much. Thank you so much indeed, and Dogoso, much appreciated. Very important conversations, not necessarily always comfortable conversations to have, but let's have hard truths as opposed to comforting lies. In the hard truths, we will find, first of all, peace and justice, and more importantly, we will be able to go forward as a nation, as opposed to thinking we are going forward on the basis of comfortable lies, only really making regressive steps that will explode in time. 21.18, let's take a short break.